for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we are in countdown mode to the beginning of the Giants off-season training program in-house at 1925 Giants Drive. April 17th is when the team converges on the Quest Diagnostics Center. Brian Dable will get to have his first meeting with the 2023 New York Giants. A lot is going on. You have the draft coming up. Interesting situation with the Giants and the draft. We'll get to that in a second. Owners meetings have come and gone this week. You got the chance to hear from John Mara, Joe Shane, and Brian Dable. Nothing earth-shattering, in my opinion, coming out of the owners' meetings. Kind of a reset for the Giants. Put the focus on 2023. That's where they're at. But I got a special guest this week, and we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to get a couple prospects, if we can, on. And who better to start off with? Luke Whipler, center for Ohio State. A day one slash day two potential pick for the Giants. Met with them at the Combine and many others. I was able to connect with him this week. He's from North Jersey. Did not grow up a Giants fan. Grew up a Jets fan. We'll talk about that. Now he's a fan of the one of 32 who ends up drafting him in late April. But talk to Whipler about what kind of player he is. About his journey from the days of being a quarterback in Dunellen, New Jersey. Moving up to North Jersey, going to St. Joe's Regional, the house that the McCourty's built, not really, but just kidding around, and uh, then his thoughts of what it would be like to switch from green to blue uh, with the Giants. So I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Luke Whippler, and then I'll be back with some thoughts on where the Giants are. Now about three and a half weeks out uh, from the draft. So enjoy my conversation with Luke. And we'll be back after that to kind of give you some thoughts on where the Giants stand uh, with the draft approaching rapidly. All right, Luke. So like myself, a Bergen County guy heads out to the powerhouse Ohio State. And now you're sitting here as one of the top offensive linemen in the 2023 NFL Draft. Thanks for joining me. And uh, what's this been like for you and heading down the home stretch here after all this planning for uh, the Underwear Olympics? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been really cool. Um, I'm just really thankful for the opportunity. And for me, I think um, I could have done it without um, so many people in my life supporting me. Um, you know, my career started at St. Joe's at, with uh, Coach Hoffman and Coach Frank Caccaro. Uh, those are two people that really instilled in me work ethic and um, how to play the game of football properly. So with them, um, I mean, none of this would be possible. So I'm just really, really thankful that I had the opportunity to be coached by them because um, God 
God knows what I'd be without him. Let's talk your football journey a little bit and go to the the early days. You know, when I always get a kick out of guys, you know, you, you always ask, what position did you play before they forced you to play the offensive line? <laughs> um, uh, um, growing up, I actually played quarterback. Um, and so I was always the biggest guy on the team, so I was able to. And um, I grew up down by um, Piscataway in a town called Donnellan. And um, so the, the quarterback, and I played that up until probably seventh grade when I moved up to North Jersey. And then, um, then I played off the wives. There was like a weight limit on who the ball, so I was a red stripe helmet kid, so I wasn't able to, uh, you know, touch the ball at all. I was not getting whistle blown. Was it a uh, transition for you to realize you weren't going to play quarterback anymore, or did you make it kind of seamless? Uh, I made it kind of seamless. I kind of understood that eventually that I would got put on the O line. So um, I think it's just for me, it was just a mindset and a new attitude that I had to take over playing O line. I mean, you spent t- you spent time with the arguably the best quarterback in this draft uh how would you compare your quarterback game back then uh in the playgrounds of dunellen compared to cj stroud um you know me and him were very similar no um (laughs) (laughs) no uh not even close uh cj's a world-class quarterback and a world-class person so um for me it was an honor to be able to show the field with him and uh be a center for the last couple years and um Maybe who knows we could do it the next level together. How much when you go into the, into this process? I mean, I know there are so many checklists, and you have guys. You know, you, I know you're a football player. You've been a football player. That sounds cliche, but that's what you want to focus on. You know, let me go out there and go hit somebody, um, and you know, make the calls and make the right blocks. And you get into this, you know, January February training period where. So much focus is on so much other things. How did you approach combine and pro day in terms of what you needed to do to make sure that in this big job audition that you put your best Luke out there? Um, yeah, I think my agent, Neil Schwartz, had a great plan coming in. and um, We executed really well. We just want to prepare for uh, the combine. It's really the Underwear Olympics and um, for me, that was all about going down to XPE in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I was the only offensive lineman down there. Was trained with a bunch of DBs, receivers, tight ends, linebackers, and then me. So <laughs> it was uh, really interesting to learn from all these guys just by watching um, how they move, how they run. And um, I had two great coaches, and Tony Villani and Matt Gates. And they really changed my body in eight weeks while I was down there uh, to make me uh, a, a sprinter and not just a you know, big fat guy O-lineman. So um, it was pretty cool being able to go down there and have the opportunity to train with those guys. Um, it really showed me a lot about different ways to maybe train with explosiveness, exercises, the movements, and um, being able to properly run. I mean, you wouldn't really know. I didn't really know how much went into sprinting and all the fundamentals and techniques to go 40 yards. And just learning all that um, really, really helped me. And uh, that was kind of game plan, just be able to run fast and move explosively for a combine. And um, that's what we did. And then afterwards, it was all about now being a football player. So now I'm back at Ohio State training. And, you know, instead of squatting with bands, now I'm squatting with chains and four and five, six hundred pounds. When you're out there and you're preparing for your pro day and, and a program that you've been a part of, and, you know, it was always – 
you know, Big Ten Championship and a National Championship or bust, essentially. When you're training now and you're kind of out of it, but you see the season start picking up in Columbus again, uh, focusing in on, you know, several months from now and get, trying to make another run. How is that for you? Because I, I got to imagine that part of you is so focused on what you need to do. But is there a little bit of, of FOMO, the, the idea of fear of missing out on what's the next step for Ohio State, a program that you've spent so much time at? I always wonder about that dynamic when guys go back to campus and, you know, you start you almost envision what it was like for the team to get ready for the season. But you're not part of that team right now. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I think I more miss the guys than I do. Uh, maybe the um, my my time at Ohio State, I miss all my friends. I mean, it's always funny to go back and see them practicing and just remember all the memories that I had with them out on that field. And, um, for me, it's just um, I'm glad how my time at Ohio State went. I don't think I have any regrets. And, um, it's really not a thought I have of what it would be like. It's just... I did my time, and um, now I'm on to the next level. Gotcha. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about you personally. I mean, it's fun to obviously, you know, we're we're in North Jersey. We live it. You're you've become a North Jersey guy, so your story is always one that it's fun to to kind of dig in and Google. And I've seen it. You know, you you love adventure. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, you know, I think I'm a very, I'm a person who likes to take calculated risks, is what I like to call them, and uh, kind of just push the limits on everything I do, um, whether that's jumping out of a plane in New Zealand when you're 14, um, or, you know, um, going snowboarding and, uh, you know, hitting rails and jumps and doing all that fun stuff, so I just kind of like to push my, the limits of everything I can do, and I'm kind of see where the line stands drawn, per se, and uh, that's just kind of how I live my life, and um, I never want to ever have to say, oh, what if? Um, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. I want to do everything to its fullest and maximize it and never have any regrets when I look back. I saw you use the word, you know, the description, uh, you're an adrenaline junkie. Has that always been the case? Um, yeah, I think that's uh, part of it, yeah. Um, I think adrenaline's the best drug. How does that manifest itself on a football field, do you think? Um, it's the same way. I think um, once you're on the field and your adrenaline's pumping, um, you're, not, you're not really thinking too much. You're just out there playing. And um, I think at the end of the day, um, the less you can think of the more you can play, the better you are. So before we we dive into football and what's gone on at the combine and heading into, you know, the draft, I saw that you you dabbled in a little stand up comedy. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in high school, yep. How did that come about? Um, well, I had to get um, surgery in my junior high school. I was bored for a couple months, and uh, I was just, just trying to find stuff to do, and um, I found. About this comic book, and I went a couple nights and I saw these people performing. It was very small. And I was like, oh shit, I could do this. So, uh, yeah, I always went up there twice and um, tried to give it a shot. And it wasn't very good, but I had fun doing it. So, where where was that? Was that up in in, in, like in New York uh, over the border? Yeah, it was in Suffern. 
That's fu- <laughs> that. That's funny. So what? I mean, that first time you stepped on the stage, were you comfortable? No, I was probably actually more nervous than I've ever actually been playing football or any sport in my life. So it was kind of a interesting dynamic being up there and uh, literally being the whole show. I think of football maybe sometimes like um, even though I start with my hand on the ball every play, you're still kind of hit it. So uh, up there, you're you're right dead front and center. So it was definitely a different dynamic and um, something that I really enjoyed. But uh, it was definitely nervous the first time I did it. Did you ever let people know on campus? I mean, the the idea that you did that back in high school is that something that you continued doing, or you just kind of put it away? Uh, and... No, I kind of just did it there when I had a couple down months, and then once my life got picked back up, uh, I kind of put it on the back burner, and I said one day I'll come back to this. So, like, 15 years from now, and you're, you know, multi, yeah. multi-pro multi bowler, you'll be on America's Got Talent, like, season 15, yeah. 50. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you look at, when you went to the Combine, people always are curious. When you get into those interviews, how, for a guy like you who seems to be able to handle yourself pretty well, was that, what was the experience like? Um, for me, it was, it was a really cool experience just getting to meet all these coaches and um, people that, you know, you grow up looking up to and um, getting to meet them face-to-face and shake their hands and talk to them was really a cool experience. It's really something I'll never forget. Um, and for me, I think the whole time just preparing was I just knew if I was me, I'd be okay. So going in, it gave me a very a good level of confidence of just being myself and uh, everything else will take care of itself. So now I know you're a big Yankees fan or grew up a big Yankees fan, right? Yeah. But well, but you kind of broke you kind of broke the mold, right? It's supposed to be Giants Yankees, but you were Jets Yankees. Yeah, yeah. My uh, that's why I always tell people I went opposite. It's kind of funny because actually Ohio State, um, we had a player Jeremy Rucker who got drafted by the Jets last year, and uh, me and him were both uh, Jets and Yankees, and everyone was like, "Oh, I thought it was supposed to be like Mets Jets Yankees Giants." Or yeah, but I guess we're just the two outliers. Yeah, that that's you kind of, you know, right turn, I'll take the left side. I'll, I'll go that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me about, I mean, your favorite Jets team, I would imagine it was the Sanchez teams, right? Yeah, it was one of the 09, 010, or the AJC championship games. Um, those were probably some of the best highlights of uh, my young Jets fandom. And, and your dog was re- reflective of that, right? Yes, he was. What what uh tell me about that, share that. Um, yeah, I was growing up just a huge Jets fan and um Sanchez at the time and we went to back to back AFC championship games. I'm like, Oh, this is the future. I mean, he's gonna be the franchise quarterback and you know, at the young age, uh I said, Oh, we're getting a dog and we're naming him Sanchez. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, my the best player on my favorite team is named Sanchez. So that's great. Was it fully Sanchez or just Chez? I, I thought I read Chez. Yeah, Sanchez, and uh, we just called him Chez for short. Um, you know, you talk to guys nowadays, you know, you're now in a different level. You're interviewing to be in the NFL, and a year from now you, you will have one year under your belt and whatever team you're in, and and that's the way it is. How Have you prepared yourself? I mean, because you definitely sound like a diehard Jets fan. Now, landing with the Jets like Rucker did is great, but there are 31 other teams that are considering you. You know, yeah. you end up <clears throat> you end up in New England. You're going to be able to deal with that? 
Yeah, no, my my loyalties is to whoever feeding me and providing me with food and a roof over my head. That's where my loyalty uh, lies. So, um, yeah, no, I have thought about that, and at the end of the day, that's how that's how the business works. So, <clears throat> obviously, you have a lot of. I assume you still have a lot of family in New Jersey, right? Correct. You know, the Jets and the Giants are both interested in you. Have you thought about? What it would be like to come back to Jersey and and play as a pro? Yeah, I have. I think that would be, I mean, extraordinary. Just being able to be play in front of my family. Um, I really haven't the last couple of years. It was that when I played down at Rutgers, and I had about a I think close to like a hundred people at that game. So wow, um, for me, it's going to be a really cool thing to be if I do get drafted by one of the New York teams um, to be able to play in front of my family on a weekly basis and uh, they get to be a part of my career in a more personal goal and in-person way. Some guys like to dig in and read, you know, mock drafts everywhere and where am I going, where do people think I'm going, and then others are like, you know what, you know, call me on draft weekend and, and I'll, I'll find out there. Where do you fall in that? Do you like to kind of distance yourself and kind of tell friends and family, you know, I don't want to hear where Mel Kuyper has yeah. me has me mocked. I, I don't yeah, need no, to hear at that. At the end of the day, I don't think really any of these people have a clue. Um, I think they're all just shooting in a bucket and trying to see if they hit something. So um, at the end of the day, it's just I keep telling everyone, I'm like, don't read. Don't read that stuff that no one has any idea. So, um, just, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. We'll get the contract and we'll find out that. There's also that other side, though, right? I mean, you, you go into an interview. I mean, I'm sure you'll have some, some visits coming up. You had the interviews with the Combine. You have people who see you and talk to you from different teams, calls or what have you. How do you block that out from your from your own self, the idea of, oh, I just talked to the coach from the Steelers and – you know, I think they really like me. And then you get the next call, and it's like, oh, I think they really like me. Um, how do you deal with that personally? I mean, your personality, you seem to be a guy who's very social. You, you're very easy to talk to. So how do you compartmentalize the idea of, okay, I understand this is the interview, but you know, you kind of fight that emotional end of things. I mean, this is what you've dreamt for all your life. How do you... How do you deal with the idea of, okay, I know they're playing a role, I'm playing a role, but somewhere in between, there's something genuine here. How do you, how do you decide that? Or have you not come upon that yet? Um, I guess I haven't really thought about that much. I think I just understand it's a business. And uh, at the end of the day, um, their job is to interview me, and my job is to be interviewed and um, be myself. And um, whatever happens after that happens. But yeah, no, I think I'm just more... Sometimes I'm in awe just being on the phone with some coaches, being able to talk to them. Like, wow, like I've watched you my whole life, coach professional football. And now you're on the phone with me. I think it's kind of like a little cool, like little kid inside me is like kind of like going crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just more of a, you know the business relationship than anything else. What kind of player are teams getting when they bring you in? How do you? if they ask you or when they ask you for your scouting report, other than flipping on the tape, which is, I think, always funny that, you know, they've broken you down to frame by frame for two and a half years of, of film you've put on, but then they want you to tell them what kind of player you are. What what do you say as far as your scouting report? What What's the best that you have to offer teams? Um, I'm a tough athletic and intelligence center. 
Um, that's the that's kind of my forte and something I try to live by and um, really exemplifies the way I play the game of football. Have you been? A, I know you have. You probably have some visits set up this. You know, going into the draft season. Uh, do you have visits set up to the Jets and the Giants? And how cool is that going to be to get to to come to some of these facilities that maybe you you've never been? I actually don't have any visits set up right now. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, no, I think right now I think I'm pretty clean cut prospect with nothing, you know, um, to worry about. So a lot of teams kind of know what they're getting and don't want to bring me in. So yeah, no, I, I don't have anything set up yet, but. Um, hopefully one day I get to show up there for my full-time job. You know what? That's true. I didn't even think of that. Some teams still use those for the medical questions or the personality yeah. questions. Sometimes the when you only have 30 of them, they're not going to bring you in. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's a that's one of those things where, oh, you don't need to see me? Good. That That's a good thing yeah. for me. Um, so how much, as far as your, you know, obviously the, the community at St. Joe's, how much has that meant to you? And do you still talk to guys? I know Augie Hoffman is not there anymore, but he was a big guy, you know, a big part of your your career there at St. Joe's. But do you still have contact with the school? Do you almost get that sense that, you know, if you were to come back here, they really kind of embrace you as, as one of their own? Oh, yeah. I think uh, St. Joe's was such a big part of my life and has taught me so much about life. And uh, with them, with the people in that building, and especially Coach Hoffman and uh, Coach Kakaro, um, just two people that really had a great amount of influence on me and those big years of maturity and growth. Um, they were almost like father figures for me and people I really look up to. So, yeah, I think if I ever went back to uh, St. Joe's, they would uh, embrace me with open arms. Yeah, it's kind of funny The Joe's, when I, co- I covered high schools for a while, for the record, and in North Jersey, and we always cover. You know, it was Bosco, St. Joe's, Bergen. I mean, that's those were those were the big schools, obviously. Yep. Um, and Tony Karsich was the coach at that time, and I covered the McCordys when they were in high school, and now they go and you know both of them retired from the NFL. So it just shows you how old I am. But for you, wow. for for the legacy at, at Joe's, I mean, were you aware of what the McCordys were doing, and you know? Oh yeah, of course. Um, growing up, I actually was the water boy for St. Joe's. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to be on the field with the players like Mark Fasati and uh, Quay Jefferson and Spencer Allcamp, all these players that I idolized growing up. And I knew the history of St. Joe's at the back of my hand when I was like 12, 13 years old. And uh, I just couldn't wait to be a Green Knight. Um, that was kind of like the epitome. And, um so for me, yeah, I, I grew up around Coach Garcia and around the St. Joe's football team. And um, for me, it was just really cool to kind of fulfill um, my dream of playing there and, uh, you know, playing in college. So That's pretty cool. I didn't even realize that. See, the more you, the more you talk, we love our local guys when we're doing stuff like this. So it's always great. Yeah. I always had a, a funny story I tell that uh, I met a seventh grader in Wayne who used to be the ball boy for, for Wayne Hills, and he'd keep – uh, he would keep candy bars in his vest, in those vests that you put the balls in. Uh, and it was actually Greg Olson. So wow. <laughs> Greg Olson, I ended up covering him through his entire high school career and then obviously in college and through his pro career and then obviously now 
on our TVs and all the big games every weekend and in the Super Bowl. So it's kind of funny yeah. how that journey happens with guys. Um, if if you think of your football journey, where do you go to to the point where you you, you think, you know what, this is where the dream began? Um, I think just growing up, I think my whole life, all I ever wanted to just be a football player. I remember back when I was a kid, I got this like plastic uh, jet helmet from uh, Models. And I was like one of those like kids, like plastic, like very basic, like chin straps. Like it, it wasn't even like a real helmet. It was just like a very plastic thing. And I remember my mom telling the story. Like I used to eat with it on. I would eat with my fork going through the face mask. Uh, <laughs> I would sleep with it. Like and for me, I think that just kind of was the epitome of like the fact that like, I've always just wanted to play football. And, um, I remember like some days I would sleep. We would pull the couch out so I could sleep on the couch to watch Sunday night football. Um, so yeah, it was just for me, it was just, uh, my love has always been football and now I get to live out my dream and my love to a game. So wait, you mentioned you grew up, you, well, you, you were raised in Dunellen, right? You started down in yeah. Dunellen. Uh, take me through your, your list of football teams when you started playing. What, what was it a Pop Warner team? It was yeah, a- I, I grew up playing for a Washington Rock, uh, Pop Warner, um, down, we used to practice in like Greenbrook, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where the, the dream started. And uh, I played there probably through kindergarten through seventh grade, and then um, I played a season in Middlesex. And then uh, after that, I moved up to North Jersey, played in Norwood, um, and then I played for the Burton County All Stars year after that, and then I was at St. Joe's. That's that's great. So did, did you have any, uh, being down in that area, I know it's not right next to each other, did you ever have it cross any paths with Anthony Volpe? Um, not really. Um, I kind of knew about him growing up. Um, I, was, I played baseball as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm more, I only knew of him. Um, never really crossed paths with him personally. Gotcha. So as a Yankee fan, you're all fired up for that? Yeah, no, I'm really excited for him and, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what he's able to do this season. Listen, Luke, I appreciate you giving me the time. I know you're busy. You're a busy guy. Uh, do you have any plans for for draft night? What are you going to do with uh, with your family? Yeah, I'm sure with my close friends and family back home in Jersey, and um, just try to enjoy the moment. Well. Listen, it's been great, great to follow you, great to catch up and hear your story. And selfishly, I cover the Giants, so we'd love to see you in uh, blue. I know it might take a little adjusting for you to, to go from yeah. from green to blue, but uh, like you said, what, whatever team selects you, that's your your immediate future. So, uh, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, best of luck over the next month or so. Great. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right, special thanks to Luke Whippler for joining me. Uh, it's always fun to catch up with guys who uh, grew up playing their high school ball in New Jersey. He goes from St. Joe's Regional to Ohio State, and now, like I said to him, who knows, maybe he's back here at MetLife Stadium playing for the team he grew up adoring in the Jets, or maybe he switches locker rooms and heads over to the Giants. I think for sure the Giants are in the market for a center. I think right now Ben Bredesen would be their starter. Uh, I don't believe they want to move uh, 
Josh Zudu from left guard to center, which is some fans have speculated. I think Jack Anderson and Shane Lemieux are also options to get snaps there. Uh, but I think they're more depth options at center to begin uh, the spring program for the Giants. But let's be honest, until the offensive linemen put pads on the second week of training camp, uh, everything that's done between now and then is really just mixing and matching and moving guys around. And you can get guys to snap to the quarterbacks once you get on the field in May for OTAs. Uh, that's not uh, as big of a concern. So Joe Shane and Brian Dable will look at this roster, consider all options, see what's out there. Uh, and then obviously when it comes to the draft, I think Whipler is probably a second or a third round pick. I think you have John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, who is a possibility. Uh, I think you have a couple other guys that I really like. Probably the most underappreciated one is Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, uh, 6'4", about 315. I think he's somebody who they can probably get with their third-round pick, uh, and I think they'd be very happy. And he could come in and compete with Bredesen to be the starter. Uh, and then, obviously, if the rookie wins the job early on, you have Bredesen as your top reserve on the interior. Uh, but... I do think the Giants will be looking for a center of the future. They let Nick Gates and John Feliciano walk. Gates goes with an opportunity to win the center job in Washington. A big deal that he got, a lot bigger than he thought he would get back in November, I tell you that much. He was hoping to stay with the Giants in a reserve role. And uh, he obviously went beyond that, proving that uh, he's healthy and deserves a shot to be a starting center in this league again. The Giants weren't ready to go there on that price point. And then John Feliciano, I think, you know, maybe maybe we were wrong in assuming that Feliciano would be back on a minimum deal here. Uh, he heads to San Francisco where he's not penciled in as the starter, uh, but he does. he will have an opportunity on, you know, a team that played in the NFC Championship game last year trying to get to the Super Bowl before uh, having the quarterback injury fiasco with Brock Purdy in Philly. And then obviously the Eagles move on uh, to the Super Bowl before they lost to Kansas City. I don't know if Giants fans, if you realize that the Eagles actually lost in the Super Bowl uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you may have gotten a different feeling from our friends in Philadelphia that they had already won the Super Bowl last year, but they did not, as far as I, I can check the record again, let me see. Yes, the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. They did not beat Kansas City, even though many people figured from Philly that the game was already in hand and that they would already have beaten Patrick Mahomes. So uh, better luck this year. The Eagles are still the class of the NFC East, uh, but it's not easy to go to a Super Bowl and then fight your way back the next week, next year after losing. So we'll see how that Eagles team takes shape when we get closer to the season. And then once we get into the season and uh, maybe they hit a little bit of adversity that they uh, more than they did last year uh, for much of the year, as far as injuries go. We also know that Jalen hurts getting hurt, at, you know, at the tail end of the season 
changed a little bit for them. Uh, but then Hertz came back and played very well, including in the Super Bowl. So Eagles are still the class of the NFC East, but we have time to get into that. All right, so where do we stand? A couple things for the Giants. Uh, Brian Dable asked at the owners' meetings about what he thinks about Saquon Barkley. Will Saquon Barkley show up for OTAs, which are voluntary? Uh, The offseason program starts on the 17th of April. Will Saquon Barkley be there? Well, right now, Saquon Barkley has not signed the franchise tag that will pay him $10.1 million this season. So until he's signed, he is technically not required to be there. He has not signed the franchise tag. He can't go anywhere else right now, but he is kind of in limbo. So we'll see how they move through the offseason program, how Saquon decides to play it. Personally, there's nothing to hold out from. No one anticipated the running back's market to crater like this. Saquon certainly didn't, or else he would have accepted the long-term deal from the Giants that I believe was close to $13 million a year. The last official reporting that I saw was at 12 and a half per year. Uh, I had been told that the Giants were willing to go up to 13 uh, and they could not work out a deal with Saquon. So now there's no offer on the table. Uh, One thing that Joe Shane has done, I think you saw it with Julian Love. I think you saw it with Saquon Barkley, uh, is that the Giants are operating from a good faith situation here. And they're looking at, If they make claims during this negotiation period, they're going to follow through. When the Giants met with Julian Love, from what I understand, back in the bye week, they gave him an offer and they told him that if we don't get a deal once the bye week ends, that offer is now off the table and we we will, will revisit at the end of the season. And that's what they did. And that offer never went back. From what I understand, Julian Love and his representatives wanted $10 million a year from the Giants on the bye week. And that was far away from what they were looking to offer. So they followed through because they went into the the open negotiating period and then allowed Love hit the market. And Julian Love did reach back out to the Giants with the offer he got from the Seahawks. And the Giants said, look, the timing just isn't right. They had just agreed to terms with Darius Slayton on a deal that was very similar, at least overall value, to the one that Love accepted from Seattle. So, again, when the Giants were negotiating with Saquon Barkley, My understanding is that when it got to the point when they said they were going to franchise him, they said if the franchise tag goes on, that's the contract that we are working from. We are not working from the $12.5, $13 million a year offer that we had uh, after the season. So, um, you know, the one thing you have to say is that for better or worse, the Giants have been consistent. If they've told guys that they're taking the offer off the table at a certain point. It's the only way you can gain leverage. 
Now, do I feel for Saquon Barkley? Absolutely. This is really one of those situations where Barkley is a valuable player, perhaps the most valuable player on offense or most explosive playmaker, however you want to frame it. But Graham Gano is incredibly valuable to this team as well. Graham Gano is getting paid commensurate for what top kickers in the league get paid. That's the part that it's hard to equate when you look at Saquon Barkley and the running backs. But if you look at the way the market shaped up this year, that's the way the market is. And teams are not going to overpay because of value to the, of the player to the organization. Because that's the value. Case in point, Graham Gano. The Giants aren't going to offer Graham Gano $10 million a year because they value him and the success he's had and what he means to this team, the consistency he's shown the last couple of years. So we understand that when it comes to kicker. And I'm not trying to compare and say running backs are as valuable as kickers. But that's kind of the situation running backs find themselves in is that they see other positions making money that are a lot higher than what they're making. And when you look at what Saquon is making, is he more valuable to the Giants? Yes. But they're just not going to overpay him based on the market and the way things are. So it's a difficult situation. I can't say one way or the other whether Saquon is there at the beginning of the offseason program. He has every right to be upset and frustrated, and that's my impression. I have not spoken to Saquon. I don't know if he is. I know it's been reported that he's upset and frustrated. I think anybody in that situation would be, but I'm not going to put those feelings on him unless I heard that from him directly or someone close to him directly. So I'll just leave it at that and we'll move forward. Leonard Williams. I believe Leonard Williams will be on this team. I think the Giants' depth at defensive line really takes away uh, anything that Joe Shane can do in terms of threatening with a pay cut or uh, a release. Leonard Williams is one of the better players they have on defense. There's no doubt about it. Dexter Lawrence is better because Leonard Williams is on that defensive front. They look at themselves as a pair. Now, Dexter Lawrence is going to get his extension eventually, whether it happens within the next couple weeks. Later this summer, I believe he'll end up getting a long-term extension. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Dexter Lawrence... And Andrew Thomas are going to be making a lot of money the next couple of years. It's just the way it is. And you pay your players. And I have no problem with that. And Giants fans should have no problem with looking at their roster and seeing those big numbers out there for Dex and for Andrew Thomas when that comes about. I don't think an extension will come this year for Andrew Thomas. I think they'll pick up his fifth-year option, duh. And then next year... Uh, after the season will be when he hits it big with a monster deal. Uh, that's kind of where we're at. I think the draft stuff with wide receivers, it's no secret. 
The Giants are now bringing in, I reported yesterday, that Zay Flowers will be coming on an official visit. Uh, another a corner, Cam Smith from South Carolina, will be coming on an official visit to the Giants. I think the Giants are in the mix for all the wide receivers, whether it's first round, second round. I think they're going to take a wide receiver at some point. Has to be the right player. I think Jackson Smith... Najigba from Ohio State. They met with him dinner before his Ohio before his pro day. They went to dinner with Flowers. Uh, they went to dinner with Quentin Johnston from TCU. His pro day is today, uh, and they've been very involved with Jordan Addison out at USC and previously at Pitt. So those are the kind of the four guys. I think a sleeper is Tyler Scott. Uh, I think Cedric Tillman at Tennessee is somebody to watch if they get into day two looking for a receiver. But I'd be very surprised if the Giants, if one of those guys is there, especially the top three with JSN, Jordan from USC, and, uh, and Zay Flowers, that they wouldn't take one of those guys. Uh, but we'll see. It's a long way to go between now and the draft. We'll see how things break out. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. So that's where we're at. Got to recap again. Special thanks to Luke for joining me. Uh, we'll try to come back as regularly as possible with All In over the next couple weeks. And we're going to put it out there. It's in the works. A draft night special. All In live hopefully as part of the Giants draft party at MetLife Stadium. Still in the works, nothing finalized, nothing official, but that should be a fun night. We'll try to figure out how we're going to do it, see if we can get some guests. We also want to make it more of a fan appreciation show that you, the fans, are involved. So anyone going to the draft night could come over, ask questions, hang out. Uh, But we're still working through the particulars. I wanted to mention it on this week's show. So... Again, we appreciate you being all in, and as evidenced by what we're trying to do moving forward with the show, we are all in too. Thanks for listening today, and we'll catch you next time.